Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your hosts, Jake Mendel and Josh House. So, Kat, what was your reaction that final drive last week, the Chase Claypool out route resulting in an interception? Uh, we've had a few days to stew on it, so I don't know if I would have asked for your reaction right after the fact. You might have had to be a one long beep, but uh, as you've had a couple of days to digest it, how do you feel about how the offense kind of sputtered out there? Well, I'm glad we don't do this on Sunday night or Monday because <laughs> uh, I, I don't think I'm, I, I certainly wasn't ready for it. But to, to answer your question, uh, Sam Munson with uh, Pro Football Focus on, on on his podcast put it well. Just paraphrasing what he said is that looking at that play, yeah, I think you can make the argument that Chase Claypool should have run a better route and mm-hmm. undercut the second guy and gotten to that spot quicker than Taylor Rapp did. You can make that point. The other side of that is how do you get yourself in a position where with a minute 20 left, you're throwing to chase Claypool in double coverage. So it was a failure all around on the coaching staff on Tua on chase Claypool. And it's going to lead to a, a, another conversation in the off season too, that is going to be fascinating to me is when you combine the snaps of chase Claypool, Robbie chosen Braxton Berrios, river Craycraft, basically every receiver three through the rest of the depth chart, you come away with about 1400 snaps. Okay. So given that after Hill and Waddle, and if we're having such problems with these third, fourth, and fifth receivers being unable to separate, I absolutely am, am in favor of drafting a wide receiver in the first round to put this offense over the top, even if that might seem uh, like that's not the Dolphins' biggest need. Of course it isn't at wide receiver. But it's not going to – the, the top three quarterbacks in the AFC – uh, in terms of their seeding, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. It's the same thing every year in the AFC. Tua is not that quarterback, okay? And he's the next level below. He can, He's not a one-man rucking crew. So if you can't get your quarterback to the level of those top three guys, you need to surround him with, a, with even another weapon so that it becomes insurmountable for the opposing defense. Do you think it's based on that or – I, I have the same concern, but I mean, if Mike McDaniel is supposed to be the, the offensive mastermind, I think he's supposed to take some of that weight away. It, it, could it be possible that this offense is so based around the skill sets of Hill and Waddle that it's just so hard for another receiver to come in where if you, there might be an opportunity somewhere to adjust the scheme a little bit and open the playbook up for a couple other guys just to give them some easy targets where, you know, you have Durham Smythe back-to-back games, 50 yards, something little like that. It just seems like Braxton Barrios getting two targets per game is a little silly. Seeing River Craycraft, someone who's been in the system for so long, the Dolphins absolutely struggling with depth at, depth at receiver with Jalen Waddle out, Tyree Kill off the field. Craycraft was targeted on, I think, the first drive and then wasn't again for the rest of the game. So I just wonder if it is the wide receivers or if Mike McDaniel can kind of do something on his end to add a little relief i'm not trying to blame or anything but i'm just trying to find something in the margins to swing in their favor well i agree with you in theory that that should be happening and these receivers should be schemed open a little bit better but it's just not happening and mm-hmm. outside of of course hill and waddle there were major separation issues with these receivers in this game oh, yeah. and it, it comes down to the same thing i mean we saw it in the first you know, two years with two in the NFL. We saw it 
uh, in this past game. If you cannot separate uh, well as a wide receiver, you can't play with two to by Loa. That's what it has to come down to because he is not somebody who is going to throw jump balls. He is going to identify the guy that is open and is separating, and he's going to put it in the right spot. But when you look at the last few games, really the miscommunications, it's often with Cedric Wilson, and it's with Chase Claypool in this game. Very simply because if they don't separate at an elite level, Tua is still going to try to throw to a spot. And mm-hmm. either the receiver is not going to get there, or he is throwing to a guy that is not going to come open either. The Dolphins offense might not have to worry about that as much this week as of Thursday. It sounds like both Raheem Mostert, the lead leader in rushing touchdowns, and Jalen Waddle uh, are trending in the right direction to play. So tell me a little bit about how much of an impact that adds, uh, because you can go back to last week and say, hey, Devon Achan had such a big game, but I do think there's a way to kind of uh, separate the targets a little bit more. We're having Raheem Mostert and Devon Achan, and you can have them both be very strong um, pieces of this offense. And and one final note here, I apologize. The uh, Dolphins averaged 5.6 yards per carry last time they played the Chiefs, and that was without Achan in the lineup. That's exactly right. And Achan, two carries for one yard in the second half last week. I mean, I, I don't I don't get it. And to to what you were saying there, Raheem Mostert and Waddle are expected back. That would be if if you could even get Waddle back, but Mostert back as well. I would like to see in a game that's five degrees where, look, you're probably not going to want to uh, against this defense throwing the ball 35 to 40 times. If you if you are, it's probably because you're losing. So therefore, I want to see some creativity with Mostert and with Devon Achan in the backfield here. Because if the demonstrated the ability to run the football very well, they've just got to stick with it. Uh, in a game like this where like, I, I don't expect the chiefs to blow the dolphins defense. I don't expect them to blow their doors off in a game like this. So keep the game close and you've got to, you've got to stay patient with the run too. With that, I, I think there's a lot of creativity with a few end arounds and different things. The dolphins can do in that department. Um, idea that just popped in my head, everyone's going to probably turn off the podcast when I say this, but I mean, if you have Raheem Mostert, Devon Achan, Jalen Waddle, and Tyree Kill all out in the field together, you're telling me when it's negative 15 degrees, um, anyone's going to be prepared to tackle Chase Claypool on an end around? We saw him do that a couple times this year. That kind of just popped into my head where I think the Dolphins could really have some fun. I, I like the idea of leaning in behind Robert Hunt, Austin Jackson on that um, right side of the offensive line. And Again, I, I don't think, see this as a way of, uh, you know, trying to discredit Tua or anything like that. But, I mean, I would love to see them run the ball 60 times and just kind of stick with it and say, hey, Mike McDaniel, you're a run game coordinator. It's negative 15 degrees outside. Let's just run the football time and time again. I agree with you. And then, you know, set up some easy Tua passes from from that point. And, yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm a little surprised that the Dolphins haven't tried a couple of more, like, end arounds or – our screens that to really take advantage of, of the speed that you're sending downfield. I've been saying this really for two years, but it's, yeah. I mean, they, they, they've got to get at a game where it's five degrees out, you're not going to be throwing the ball all over the yard, you know, and they, they've got to, it, to me, the team that is going to be not only more efficient, but more patient is going to win this one. So you, does that include, you want more screens to Tyreek Hill? Is that, is that what you're trying to say mm-hmm. here? 
No way. No way. <laughs> Anyone but him. Running back screens. I mean, where did where has that gone? But then again, anytime the Dolphins try something like that, they've got three offensive linemen illegally downfield. So, you know, just like in the last game. So it's still bitter. Still bitter about that one. I kind of feel, and I could be proven wrong, it's Raheem Mostert, I feel like he should be a little better as a receiving running back than he is. Uh, it just kind of seems like there are some times with him, we, we see a couple of just awkward jobs, maybe a body catch, but uh, that that's one scenario I, I think I'd like to where, I mean, if you do have Mostert out there though, in the backfield, I think you can target HN more um, as a receiver as well. Yeah. And what feeds into that too, is that the chiefs are a team that blitzes more than just about every other team in the league. They're the last time I checked, they're 32, 33% of the time they blitzed and they do that because they can really trust their cornerbacks. Uh, it's one of the best tandems out of, in, in the league out of nowhere, really. Uh, Trent McDuffie and, and Legereus Sneed at, at the cornerback spot, as well as Jalen Watson there in the slot. Um, so there is an opportunity from there. If, if they're going to blitz, especially in a game where it's this frigid outside, being able to dump the ball off to Devon Achan on a screen pass, a, a player that the Chiefs did not see last time. Mm-hmm. that that could be that could be a secret weapon here I think the offensive line as a whole might even be in a better spot than it was last time too Tua was sacked three times in that game against Kansas City but I think Liam Eichenberg actually uh I think he had to come in and play that game I, I should look that up I apologize uh but I, I'm starting to feel a little confident about what this offensive line is turning into obviously I know Tua's uh you know quick release has so much to do with it but this also is a unit that finished ninth in pro football focus grade and what they started like 14 different starting lineups. I mean, that group deserves a lot of credit, even though it's been a lot of uh, glue, duct tape, string, all, all that stuff, gum. For a organization that fired 11 offensive line coaches in 10 years, I was very, very certain that Butch Berry, not doing a great job with the Broncos offensive line in 2022. I thought he was going to be horrid this year. I thought it was going to be a mess. No, he's been phenomenal. He's been, I mean, to me, the coach of the year on the Dolphins staff. And, you know, to be in, be pulled together, the Lester Cottons and the Liam Eikenbergs. Uh, also, in the, you know, going back to the to the Bills in the last game here, too, I, I can't blame the offensive line for any of that. You know, they played really well in that game. And mm-hmm. that that's kind of the most frustrating thing about it. It would be easy to blame the edge rushers and the interior offensive line for the Bills loss. You can't. I mean, it was pretty much everything else that cost them that game. But, yeah, I mean, they've got a big task as well this week because you've got Chris Jones at D-tackle, one of one of the best in the league, arguably the best interior lineman in the AFC over the past five or six years. George Karloftis on the edge had a, a good game against the Dolphins last time too. So, yeah, they're, they've got to be up to the task. But, you know, if they play like they did against the Bills, then, then th- this offense is certainly off to a good start. You mentioned A-Chan only getting two carries in the second half last week. Um, it's interesting because that's 100% true, but I also do think that the Miami Dolphins had opportunities passing the football. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts. I- I'm starting to feel that, I mean, it's so important to keep in mind, this is Mike McDaniel's second year ever calling plays. It kind of seems like he's fallen into, I don't even want to call it a trap, but he's very book smart. So if he sees a formation or he sees a skill group, he's going to attack that where sometimes he still needs to learn that street smart where you just kind of want to trust Robert Hunt to win a one, one, one-on-one in isolation, excuse me, or something like that. That's kind of where I'm starting to settle in. And hopefully this game and moving forward, we start to see that um, diversity. But I just think that I've heard both sides say, you know, 
passing attack, there's opportunities. They should run the football more. And I think both are true. Yeah, you're exactly right. And when you look at the passing game last week, I mean, look, Jalen Waddle was missed badly. And because with him out, the Bills are one of the teams that that finally in that situation said that we're going to give Tyreek Hill the attention he deserves. And Mm -hmm. it was a, it was a, it was a tough game when he had seven catches for 82 yards and he had two massive drops in the fourth quarter, one of which would have tied the game. The other one would have brought the dolphins back from second and 15. I mean, just huge. And in addition to that, when, when the strong safety walked down, the dolphins did not have the receivers to take advantage of it. They basically said, we're going to get these, these cornerbacks in your face. And you're not going to beat us with Tyreek Hill. You're going to beat us with Cedric Wilson and Chase Claypool in one-on-one coverage, and they couldn't do it. So that's that's where the problem is. But Jalen Waddle coming back this week, uh, just him being on the field, I think changes the entire dynamic because the receivers have to play better, too. It has to play better. And in addition to what we've said tier two, um, as far as play calling, you're right uh, on what you said with Mike McDaniel and, and with Frank Smith. Tua also has the ability to change plays. That's mm-hmm. that's known. This is not Ryan Tannehill and Bill Lazor <laughs> 10 years ago where Tannehill either couldn't audible or could only do two plays. Tua mm-hmm. can do whatever the hell he wants. And he didn't uh, audible into the right place last week. And that is also, was also very disappointing.